This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he traveled to Colorado on a mission to find his favorite ice cream. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to the Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Matt Morrow, President and CEO of the Springfield Area Chamber in Missouri, to learn how the Holman Brothers provided value to his chamber. Holman Brothers provide a great training for our sales team in terms of just outstanding sales techniques, but maybe even more importantly than that, they were able to provide us with a system, a process that was repeatable. And in that, we're able to see very clearly from one month to the next how the how the pipeline is doing, what prospects are in it, what kind of progress we're making, and what we can do to coach people to success. You can learn more about Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Our guest for this episode is Scott Ashton. Scott is the president and CEO of the Oceanside Chamber of Commerce in California. He's been on the staff at the chamber since 1996 and took on his current role in November 2016. Scott is originally from Massachusetts and began his career at the South Shore Chamber while attending graduate school at Suffolk University in Boston, where he earned his Master in Public Administration degree. Scott has more than 30 years of experience in the chamber industry in a variety of sales and management capacities. Scott serves in volunteer and or advisory capacity with numerous local organizations as well. Scott resides in Oceanside and enjoys reading, hiking, walking, and studying health and nutrition. Scott, welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm happy to have you on the show now. I know this has been a work in progress over several months, but glad we can make it happen. Why don't you say hello to all the chamber champions and, and share something interesting about yourself so we can get to know you a little better. Sure. Brandon, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, like you said, I know this has been uh, a long time in the works. So thank you for your patience and uh, bearing with me to find a time that, that worked for both of us. So something interesting about myself. Well, you know, one of the statistics that I heard recently is that people entering the workforce now will have uh, 14 different careers over their lifetime. And I don't know if this is interesting or not, but I've had one career and the chamber industry is all that I've known my, my entire career. So um, I remember growing up as a, as a little boy and uh, couldn't think of anything else other than wanting to work for a chamber someday. Serious. I'm just kidding about that. Um, <laughs> okay. But, yeah. <laughs> How did you get exposed? Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, I, I guess like uh, like most people I've met, um, you know, that it just kind of something that we fall into. So um, I went to I, I grew I was born and raised in Massachusetts, and as of right now, I've lived uh, almost exactly uh, half my life, the first half of my life in uh, Massachusetts, and. Uh, the second half so far uh, in Southern California. So, um, but uh, I, I went to college as a criminal justice major with a minor in Spanish, got out of college, still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went right into graduate school and uh, had to find work while I was going to graduate school at night. So my friends, uh, my friend Kristen said, let me introduce you to my dad. He runs the Chamber of Commerce and 
he knows tons of business people and can help you find a job. So I, I took her up on that. I went and sat down with her dad who ran the South Shore Chamber of Commerce, which is on the South Shore of Boston. Um, one of the largest, I, I think still to this time, one of the largest chambers in that, in that state. Um, and I sat with him for a while and he said, well, you know, until you find something else, why don't you just sell memberships here at the chamber? And I was like, okay, I've never sold anything and have no idea what a chamber does, but uh, I'll give it a try. And uh, turns out I had some skills that I never would have imagined that I had. And I, I had some success in, in selling memberships. I stayed at that chamber for about two and a half, two and a half years. And then um, the membership director position opened up um, at the Cambridge Chamber, which is uh, uh, had an office right uh, on Massachusetts Avenue in Cambridge, about halfway between Harvard and MIT. So it was a, an amazing opportunity. Um, I, I was fortunate to get hired for that position and did that for about two and a half years. And then my wife, who had grown up in um, Southern California, wanted to get back here. So um, what I knew was a, a chamber career. So I just got on the phone and started calling chambers and asking if they had any openings. And uh, I connected with Oceanside that they did not have an opening, but there was apparently something in that conversa conversation that intrigued them. So they invited me to fly out and have a conversation with uh, their CEO and a couple board members. And they created a position for me in, in 1996, oh. doing membership and business development, um, which I did here uh, for about 20 years. And then when the CEO position opened up, I really wanted it. Most of the board members at that time were people that I've already had built a great relationship with. I had worked with them over the years. I, I some of them I had sold them their membership to the chamber, and <laughs> so I just started reaching out to the board members and letting them know how much I wanted the position. And uh, thankfully, they hired in, internally, and now it's been six years that I've been in the CEO role at the chamber. Yeah, I love hearing how people come into the chamber industry because it's always. You, you, everybody falls into it a little different. So it, it is, yeah. uh, it is interesting. You're finding most of it's by accident. Most of it. Yeah. That's why I say falling into it. Not, not yeah. that they found it or, you know, went after it, but they fell into it. And, uh, but luckily it, the chamber world tends to attract the right people. So glad yeah. you found it. Glad you're here. Um, well, tell us some about the, the Oceanside Chamber, just to give us some perspective, like size, staff, budget type of work just to give us some, some perspective before we get into our conversation. Yeah, so um, our size is uh, um, about 620 or so members. Uh, budget right now is a little over a million dollars. Um, we have a, a staff of eight, a um, couple are part-time, the rest are, are full-time. And uh, last year, our chamber celebrated its 125th anniversary of, of serving the, the business community. So we're we're one of the oldest uh, chambers in San Diego County. And uh, you know, I, I the year that I started at the chamber was its 100th anniversary. So I I, I was here for the 100th and 125th. So um, it, it's it's really you got cool another that. 25 years in you. I do not. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You have to come back as a, a bystander then, I guess, maybe a, yeah. a maybe yeah. a member of some sort. So, yeah, I, I hope to, you know, hope to be around and be able to celebrate, but uh, not in this position 25 years from right. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, that that does help. Uh, as as far as type of work, are you guys chamber only? Are you tourism? Are you economic development? What what do you guys cover? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So when I first started at the chamber, uh, we ran the we ran the tourism operation for Oceanside, and uh, about twelve years ago, uh, we helped uh, we helped create a separation where they are now funded um, through a um, through a transient marketing district tax. Uh, so it's a hotel tax of, um, oh, I forget the exact amount. I think it's close to 2%. Um, and it, it funds that operation where previously um, every year or two, we had to go to city council and and uh, request uh, a portion of the TOT taxes in order to be able to fund the visitor operation. But now they have um, a, a steady stream of income. And uh, makes me wish at some point that we we had uh, handled that a little differently and didn't give up that operation because now they have a budget that's three or four times times the size of, of our chamber budget. Um, but we work really closely with them. I'm, I'm on their board. Um, their CEO is on my board. We have a great working relationship. So, um, yeah, so while we're not the point of contact or the main, um, you know, the, the main organization working on tourism anymore, it, it's still a very important part of what drives our local economy. So we're, of course, in, involved in it. Um, workforce development is, a, is another key area for us. Um, uh, small business advocacy, which I'm, I'm sure most chambers you're talking with um, are engaged in that. And then political action is, uh, is the other uh, key element that I, I think we're going to be talking about shortly. That's right. And so that's a good transition right there. So our topic for conversation today, people may have seen as they look at the title of this episode, but we're going to be talking about chambers endorsing political candidates. So I know that's a, a topic that some chambers, you know, want to shy away from, or maybe they are interested in getting into, but they don't know where to start and there's some fear, or maybe they're doing it and there's something they can learn and, and adapt, or maybe it hasn't gone well, or maybe it went really well. So we'll we'll dive into our discussion around that and what you guys are, are currently involved with as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat, Shop, Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Chambers of Commerce have been around for over 400 years promoting communities all over the world, but today so much is found digitally that Chamber Nation believes it's critical that there is a custodian of local digital information. They believe the Chamber is in a perfect position to be that organization. 
Chamber Nation provides an amazing membership management system you use to manage the Chamber and the community. They also deliver a complete membership development system that they manage for you to be sure your membership community is fully documented for search and much more. Essentially, Chamber Nation delivers an entire membership support department, which is perfect for those chambers with a limited budget that needs to do more. With Chamber Nation, not only do you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. Chamber leaders know firsthand how unexpected disturbances in the business environment have become the norm. Even the most experienced membership reps need to continually evolve to overcome these disruptions and create new opportunities. Holman Brothers Next Level Coaching supplies the year-round sales coaching and mentoring your membership rep needs to navigate change and continue driving revenue for your chamber. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of Next Level Coaching. All right, Scott, we're back. So endorsing political candidates. Uh, How did the Oceanside Chamber come to the decision that you guys wanted to endorse candidates? Yeah, it was a it was a slow evolution. When I when I first started at the chamber, uh, I don't think it's anything that they would have even imagined taking on at that point. Um, But at some point along the way, we started um, doing uh, candidate forums and getting warmed up um, to that realm a, l- a little bit. So um, fast forward to 2018, uh, where we had um, we had done our candidate forums. Uh, we were that year we were heavily engaged in trying to defeat um, uh, uh, an initiative on the ballot. That was a land a local to Oceanside. Um, land use uh, um, initiative, which was basically um, for ballot box zoning, which we did not want to see happen. So we got heavily engaged in that and uh, fortunately defeated it. So we uh, we exited the 2018 um, uh, elections with a sense of boldness and wanting to see how much further we could go in the political realm. So in December of 2018, we did a, a survey to our members and asked them, you know, how, how helpful the information that we put out on that ballot measure was to them and, you know, making their decision on voting and got really good feedback on that. And we asked some other questions on the survey about the candidates that had won the election. You know, do you think this person is business friendly or not? And um, then we worked our way to the question on how important is it to you that the chamber be involved in helping elect business friendly candidates? And it was uh, about almost 90% of the survey respondents uh, indicated that it was important to them that we help elect business friendly candidates. Wow. So I know that can mean a lot of different things. You know, that can mean doing forums or publishing um, scorecards. But what I and, and our board took that to mean is that, hey, we should move forward in considering endorsing candidates. So um, we took those survey results to the board and our, our board was, uh, you know, boldly decided to move in that direction. Um, so when we did that survey, we also asked, uh, hey, uh, would you be interested in um, being part of some more extensive conversations on this topic? 
And we had quite a few members that said yes to that. So um, in 2019, we started uh, holding focus groups with small groups of our members to ask them what was important to them in, in city council candidates. You know, what, uh, what are the things that you want them to address and what, what you want them to do? And so we were able to gather a lot of data on uh, what was important to our, our members and what they wanted to see in, in the candidates going forward. And uh, from there, we, we use that to develop our policies and procedures. Yeah. Wow. So I know, you know, as you try to speak as a voice of business, as, as the chamber, um, you're taking a collective of voices, whether it's staff or board members or your members in general, to say this is a candidate that we support or we're behind mm -hmm. this candidate. Um, did you have to work through any, you know, putting aside, you know, personal feelings or, or maybe a you know board member that didn't, didn't necessarily agree? How do you manage some of those waters that can get a little bit muddy? So that that is a great question. Um, you know, we have a a, a very diverse pack, um, and it's purposely set up that way, where we have. Uh, um, equal number of seats for um, for Republicans, Democrats, and no party preference. Um, and while when you start to talk about state and national issues, uh, there would be um, strong separation <laughs> amongst those yeah. people. But we find that on local issues, um, you know, related to development, um, for us, you know, sand retention on our beach is, is a big issue, um, housing, uh, workforce development related issues. Yeah, there, there's really strong unity across parties on that. So, and um, one of the points that um, our, you know, when our PAC is going to make a recommendation to the board, they do make a point to remind them that, hey, you might have some personal thoughts on this, but remember you're wearing your chamber hat right now. And, uh, you know, please approach it from that perspective. So, um, and I, I know we'll talk about some of the specifics of the elections a little bit, but in the two uh, election cycles that we've endorsed candidates, we did have, um, you know, unanimous, unanimous approval from our board of directors. Um, so our PAC has done their homework um, in both election cycles. That's great. And I think it's good for other chambers to hear that, too. It's just a reminder of once you start talking about things on a local level. It's a lot mm -hmm. easier to gather consensus and, yeah. and people around one common goal. So yeah. uh, take, take that charge and go do it. So, uh, so as we're talking right now, it's beginning, it's beginning of December 2022. So we just came off of an election cycle. And you were just talking about had, had a couple election cycles now to go through with endorsing candidates. Yeah. How, how have those gone? How have you, um, you know, from the candidates you've endorsed, the process along the way, the outcomes, what's the experience been like? Yeah, so it all it all goes back to 2019 where we put in that work with our members. We had those focus groups. We found out what was important to them. And then we developed um, policies and procedures um, as to how we will approach the endorsement of candidates. And so far, it's been just uh, sticking with city council races, um, you know, here in Oceanside. And so we had this all put in place um, prior to 2020. And then when 2020 came along, candidates started filing and so on. We had these policies and procedures in place that allowed us um, to send out questionnaires to the, um, to the candidates that had filed just to get their feedback on business related issues. And from there, um, we decided who we would 
interview, you know, or do a personal interview with at the next step. Um, because of what happened in 2020, the personal interviews ended up being Zoom interviews Zoom, yeah. instead. So we couldn't sit across the table from them. Um, but what we decided be- because of the, um, the volume of the candidates uh, was relatively low. We invited everybody that filled out our survey to come in for an interview, even, you know, even if they're they're they didn't have the exact answers to the questions um, that, you know, that we are hoping to hear from them. We still invited them in for an interview and uh, we were able to, to manage that volume of candidates. So in 2020, we had three races. We had um, two city council races and a mayoral race. The mayoral race became complicated because we had two business friendly candidates um, that had been good friends of the chamber that uh, they, they couldn't agree for one of them to back out and they, they both stayed in the race. And we basically said that uh, we're not going to choose between them. Um, we just made a statement that both of these candidates have been good supporters of the chamber and of the business community. And uh, we left it at that. So we focused our effort on the two city council district races. And uh, I, uh, 2018, I think was our first year in going to, to districts. Uh, the city council races used to be citywide. So um, the two district candidates were incumbents that had um, were in their current seats by appointment, and uh, they they had been business friendly, and it was a very easy decision for us to get behind these two candidates. Um, they both ended up winning their races. Um, one was, uh, I think, um, by less than a thousand votes. So I think we really had a, an impact there, um, and uh, we were able to donate, I think, in the range of about $12,000 total that we had raised through our political action committee. And um, we were able to help them out with their, to get across the finish line. So um, we, were, we were successful in, in, that, uh, in that first run and uh, that emboldened us to, to keep moving forward. <laughs> Very good. So do you feel, and I don't know, maybe you have some data to back this up or not, maybe it's just a feeling, but um, how do you feel the impact of your chamber supporting candidates? How has that helped to motivate people to vote? I mean, to me, it's always discouraging when you see such small numbers turn out for elections and uh, trying to engage that that big population that just doesn't vote. Um, Do you do you have any feeling or, or any data on, on how maybe that needle's moved over time? I, I really don't. I think we were, we're a little early on in the process to, um, you know, to see if we're making any impact on, on voter turnout. Um, but I think we are, um, you know, the, the chamber brand is very well respected in the community. And as we're able to put forth our candidates, I think people pay attention to that. Um, the other part of it is, we have found common ground with, um, there's two other major organizations in Oceanside that endorse candidates. And that is our police officers association and our firefighters association. So going back several years, um, they used to endorse the candidates that would basically tell them, you know, what, what they wanted to hear Mm -hmm. that they would be taken care of. But these are the same candidates that were opposing development and growth. So one of our PAC members had a conversation with, with both of the unions and, and just, you know, shared with them that, hey, if you, if you want to get paid what you should be paid, we need growth in our community. We need that development. We need to expand our tax base. 
And they have been really on board with that and supporting pro-development candidates. So, you know, the, we're going into it where it's not just uh, the chamber endorsement, but it's uh, these our candidates have been endorsed by the chamber, by the police and the fire associations. And that's a big deal in, in a relatively small city. Yeah, I love that. And I like that you guys are doing interviews, too, with these candidates and mm-hmm. to be able to help share the story, what their vision is and, and give a more informed uh, option or choice to voters. Yes. So, I know not every community is, has done that or is equipped to do that necessarily, or maybe they don't think they're equipped to do that. But um, I see a, a tremendous value because, I mean, most times you go to the ballot and you see names of people that you don't know who they are. And the, especially the, the common person in the, in the community has no idea who some of these names are. So to yes. create some exposure and some connection as to what these people stand for besides an R or D next to their name, I think is very helpful. So do you have any, any tips for chambers who want to maybe get their toes wet in this as far as conducting some of those interviews or how to get started? Yeah. So just for clarification, our, um, the interviews that we do are just for, for our path. They're, okay. they're, not, they're not public interviews. So we're asking them, you know, the, the questions that are, um, are, are important to our business community and how they would approach those issues. And that's that's what we're using as uh, to decide on where we're going to put our endorsement. Um, okay. But there are, you know, there are other great resources in our in our community. Um, we have a local TV station that uh, allows for, um, you know, for each election cycle for candidate statements um, and you know, people in the community can hear from the candidates directly on that. But um, what we're doing is, you know, we're doing our interviews. Um, we're bringing um, we're bringing our recommendation to the Chamber Board of Directors, and then um, we're sharing that with the community in a variety of ways. One of the things that we have is um, we do a quarterly magazine that gets mailed out to um, you know a lot of the uh, business people and residents. So what we've done when we have endorsements is we target the distribution of our magazine into that district. So um, ideally, you know, most, if not all of the residents in that district are hearing from us and on who our endorsements are. And those endorsements are on the front cover of the magazine. Awesome. Awesome. Great idea. Uh, So overall, I like asking if, uh, if you have any tips or action items for listeners who would like to take their chamber up to the next level. Um, what might you suggest for them? And, and maybe it has something to do with endorsing candidates. Maybe it's something totally different. I, I would say, ask your members what they want. Um, and that, that's how we get started on this path um, is we, you know, we decided to just reach out to the members and see if they wanted us to be engaged in this. And like I said earlier, I know there are a variety of ways for chambers to influence elections and it can be just you know doing forums which we did and publishing scorecards which we've done not so consistently over the years but um i I feel like endorsing candidates is a a chance for you to have a real mark on on the elections and to make a a real difference Um, but the starting point is to ask ask the members Um, the other important tip is to to know when to stay out of a race. Um, so I mentioned in 2020 how we stayed out of the mayoral race. Um, this year we had two districts up for election. 
one of them um, was a was a pro business incumbent that we chose not to endorse because of some complications within that race, not the least of which was somebody from her same party that uh, that would not back out of the race. And we just mathematically, it didn't seem like there's really any path for her to win. So instead of us, uh, and she did not win. Um, and, and so instead of us, you know, diving into that race and potentially burning a bridge, um, we stayed out and now we're trying to build a relationship with the person that, that did win that race, um, and with some success. And, uh, but the race that we did endorse in, um, one of the districts was a retiring, um, uh, fire chief who is, uh, very well liked in the community. The chamber, police and fire associations, um, all got behind him and he, uh, he had a strong victory. And that was our, um, first time um, getting involved and doing an independent expenditure um, because there are now caps on how much we can donate uh, directly to a candidate. So we put some money into a mailer to support the candidate. And there's no limitations in how much you can spend on independent expenditure on behalf of the candidate. Okay. So I know chambers that are listening, they're, they're having questions like, but what about this? What about that? What? So has there been any negative fallout for that's come from endorsing candidates? Nothing measurable. Um, you know, it, what's interesting going back to that mayoral race uh, in 2020, um, one conversation I had from a member that was upset was that uh, he couldn't get out of his mind that uh, he, he kept telling me, you guys endorsed so-and-so. It's like, no, we didn't endorse in that race. But I guess the fact that we put out a, a statement saying that these two candidates have both been business friendly was enough to um, you know, enough that individual. But no, the feedback has been great. I, I think people appreciate that um, we've taken that that bold step to um, you know put ourselves out there, and uh, and we're very thoughtful about how we approach it and try to be very transparent. And uh, we we share why we've endorsed the candidates and how they align with um, the goals and objectives of, of the chamber. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, and with the, the feedback from your survey, like I said, 90% saying, yes, they wanted you to endorse. I, I, I didn't imagine there'd be much you know, negative fallout. So um, as we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? Yeah, I, I, the direction has uh, has certainly changed a lot in uh, in. COVID certainly had had an impact on that um, for us. Um, we've um, slowly moved away from um, being dependent on events. Uh, in the coming year, we actually are um, doing away with our largest event that really just did not have um, a, a strong connection to our, our mission and our vision as an organization. So. Um, and the, the event represented uh, about 12 or 13 percent of our gross uh, revenue. So um, so that's uh, you know, it's, it's hard to let go of something like that, but it's the right thing to do. So but what it, what's freeing us up um, is uh, it's given us the opportunity to focus more on the things that are essential to our business community, the, the advocacy, the political action, workforce development. And also, uh, we've created a, um, a leadership academy. Um, so by, by turning away from some of the things that, uh, that 
brought in money, but didn't have a, a strong value to our business community. Um, it's given us um, a chance to create some some new programs that do bring value to our our businesses. Right. Oh, that's great, and it that is a, a bold step to step away from from that that much of your income. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm seeing um, you know just in general because uh, I know you weren't just asking about our chamber, but I, I've seen that with other chambers too, and just moving in that direction of um, being problem solvers in in their communities and you know focusing in their efforts and um, and using that to to drive revenue opportunities rather than events. Right. Keeps you relevant. That's for sure. So Scott, um, I'd like to give you an opportunity for anyone listening who'd like to reach out and connect and learn more about how you went about this process to, to decide mm-hmm. and to, to endorse and, and the whole process. What would be the best way for someone to reach out and connect with you? Yeah. So, well, and I, I love talking about this. So I hope people will not hesitate to, uh, to give me a call. So Best thing is just pick up the phone, call me at the Oceanside Chamber of Commerce at 760-722-1534. Very good. I will, uh, I'll get that in our show notes for this episode as well. So people can look that up and give you a holler. But um, Scott, I appreciate you hopping on here and and visiting with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast for your bold leadership and uh, being willing to share these experiences you've had and, and how things are going there in Oceanside. Thanks for coming on and joining us today. Thanks, Brandon. I really appreciate the opportunity. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry.